Hello, listeners. It's another episode of Complete the Narrative with Sean, John, and Uncle Jimmy. I'm John. Uh, today, we're going to talk about automation. Um, so things are changing in the workplace. Um, computers are getting smarter. And there's a lot of people who have some pretty uh, impactful uh, predictions on how that's going to change our future in our society. So uh, we just want to talk about that today. And as usual, Uncle Jimmy, can you frame us up? Happy to you, young John. This is Uncle Jimmy in Boca Raton, Florida. <laughs> anyway, uh, a friend of mine sent along this video to me called Humans Need Not Apply. And so I popped it up, and then I you know, watched it. And by the way, we put this on our website uh, for any anyone who wants to listen to it or actually you know, uh, watch the video. Um, the Humans Need to Apply video, it was made in 2014. Uh, it's a documentary film uh, by a gentleman by the name of uh, CGP Gray. Anyway, the film focuses on the future of the integration of automation uh, into economics as well as the worldwide workforce. Uh, what was interesting, actually, Gray uh, released the film online for YouTube video format. Uh, the film primarily focused on the topic of how technology, or specifically robots, are rapidly increasing uh, in usefulness through human society. And it discusses how automation will lead to a future where humans are, are virtually not going to be needed. Um, the long and short of it was Gray concluded that 45% of the workforce would be replaced by bots, a number which thinking, well, you know, we're not going to need welders anymore, but a number which is both inclusive of professional, white-collar, and low-skill occupations and higher than the 25% unemployment figure of the Great Depression. So this is no small matter. Uh, the reception on this film, it, I believe there were something like 5.6 million people had actually seen this, and the reception was interesting because it had been – it had been sort of reviewed by Business Insider, The Huffington Post, and Forbes. And, you know, one thing, you know, most of the publications praised the premise, uh, but they called it, uh, you know, thought-provoking, compelling, and I, th I think it was Forbes that said it actually was terrifying um, that the, the video was sobering. So, you know, long and short of it is this, you know, if you were a guy who made buggy whips in 1905, well, we don't need any buggy whips anymore, so that guy has to do something. What is really terrifying about this particular video is that the, uh, the, the advent of computers and robots um, and the sort, of, the sort of scaling up of that technology is so fast that human, the human race has never seen anything like it. One thing that the movie points out is, for example, in, in the transportation industry – they're basically talking that, you know, basically saying that, you know, all transportation will be computerized. And, and, and this is not, uh, you know, a conjecture. This is a certainty. And you can see it now. We have cars that are driverless. And, and it's just a matter of time. And so anyway, the point is that technology will be replacing jobs. But, but the difference is that, as in the past, we've never seen uh, it, it come to uh, fruition at such a great rate. And the societal implications are staggering. Anyway, that's basically the frame-up. Uh, what do you guys think? Oh, I, I think, sure. first of all, we have seen this several times. Uh, we saw when Skynet took over. We saw when <laughs> all the machines enslaved us and, and invented the Matrix. We've seen this in all, every movie that's come out in the last 30 years. 
Yeah, you're right. There's no there's no <laughs> shortage of movies that have like touched on this topic. Uh, and what did what did you say, Uncle Jimmy? That there somebody said it was like sobering and frightening, right? Yeah, because it really was. I think I think Forbes said it was it was terrifying. It was the word they used. Because when you think about it, like the the, the difference is, and I and I know that. Who, listen, who knows what the future is going to bring? But the the interesting thing about this movie was that as they laid out their argument, namely with taking one, for example, one industry, you know, transportation. I mean, it really is sobering because the societal implications are unbelievable. Yeah. Hey, so for the listeners, I think it would be if you haven't seen the video yet, let me just explain a couple of the technological advances that are going to be part of that 40 percent unemployment rate. Right. So 40 percent of the workforce is going to be unemployable in their current profession because of automation. Uh, the reason why the film was so sobering and in in some cases scary. I, I actually kind of think it's it might turn us into like a utopian society, but um, the reason why it's so scary is the automation exists today. It exists right now. So uh, some of the things that they listed was driverless cars. And, you know, until I watched this video, I had seen Google's ad and Google's uh, press releases on their driverless cars, and I thought it was kind of cool and interesting. Man, I, I'm not going to have to drive my car anymore. Uh, I can just get in it and it'll drive me somewhere. But it didn't occur to me how big of an impact that is because there's roughly, they said, 3 million workers in the United States alone are in the transportation industry. So right. every every taxi cab, right? Don't need taxi cab drivers anymore. Uh uh, pizza delivery guys, um, the truck people drivers, driving the, truck, the drivers truck drivers, yeah, truck drivers, the FedEx trucks. Um, uh, what what am I missing here? There's a ton of 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 jobs that re require someone to be in transportation. So all of those people are unemployable. And the other thing right. that's out there already that exists today that's going to make people unemployable is I'm looking at a list here: uh, referees. So umpires, so, uh, th that's not a big industry, but computers can do their jobs. You've already seen it. Like the, there's, a, there's a camera and a computer software system that can tell you whether or not a strike is a strike or a ball is a ball. It's more accurate than a human being. It is so kind of funny of to, see the, to see the ump make his ruling, and then it just shows the actual ball would happen. Yeah. You're like, oh, he so did what's get it the point? I knew it. Yeah, what's right. the point of having that guy there? And frankly, I think that's great. I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind seeing the referees go, and then just having it be the right call every single time. Yeah, but then we can't blame it on the ref when our team loses. Yes, oh, good point. <laughs> that's like that's like half the fun of watching sport. If you, you know, if you win, you win. If you lose, it's the ref's fault. Yeah. Whereas, uh, yeah, that, that'd be a big change. Here's another. I like one. that. Sorry, postal workers, but you're on the list too. So yeah, going somewhere and dropping off a package, there's totally a robot or a machine somewhere that you could put the package into that could weigh <laughs> it and tell you. And, and frankly, uh, I'm sick of getting three pounds of paper in my mailbox every single day and knowing that we're supplementing this egregious waste of natural resources in order to just make it right. easier for people exactly. to send junk to my house that I don't want. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> so there's a, there's a ton of well, these, you know, I mean, there's a, there's a ton of these jobs. Yeah. What about toll takers? They're they're on their last legs, pretty much. 
You know, <laughs> the easy exactly pass right. pretty much puts them out of business, and it's way better for everybody except for the toll takers. Yep. I mean, driving Cashiers. right through with no line. Yep. Yeah, there, there, there are a lot of jobs like that. Really, well, actually, really I just I just want that job to just go away. In general, I don't want to pay tolls anymore. Yeah, oh. that'd be nice. I don't think it's going to happen. But one job I think uh, it's I can't wait for it to go away is you know when you go to nice restaurants and there's the guy in the bathroom who hands you the paper yes! towel after you wash your hands. I hate that guy. <laughs> and, then, and then he kind of lingers waiting for the tip. It's like first of all, I didn't ask you to give me a paper towel, right? I mean. I can get my own paper towel. I don't need you to do it. It's just awkward, and I don't really don't want to pay you to give it to me either. So Dude, for robot yeah, to do that, and just, exactly. just give it to me and not linger for the tip, uh, that'd be great. Honestly, that is so annoying, man, because that guy stands there, right? And so you're standing there going, oh, yeah, okay. And you're washing your hands, and you see him in your peripheral vision, and you're going, okay, now you're begging. Okay, it's like you're having dinner, and the dog is at the table. And I'm like, you know, this is going to be a you, dude, but, like, I, um, I've been washing my hands for a really long time without your help. And, like, yeah, yeah. it's, like, it's like unbelievable. So the guy's, like, begging. Good point. I love that. You have to interact with that guy, too. You have to. He's got the paper towels. There's no other way to dry off your hand than to interact with that guy. You got to wonder what the restaurant's going for. It's like, we are so rich, we can pay someone to do this useless job that could just be the machine. Like, literally, the yeah. machines started out as being the people who get – they actually had to move to humans. To be like, what can we do to set ourselves apart? I know. Let's put yeah. a well-dressed man in the bathroom and have him just stand there all day. Yeah. <laughs> so, you, you know, they the, – the, this is this is just the stuff that's here right now. There are these little, you know, bits of software that you can program to do people's job, like – you know, filter through papers and papers of legal papers in order to make correlations and help one lawyer instead of 10 lawyers figure out how to solve a case, right? That's just one example. But robotics is going to be a part of this too, if you watch the episode. So if you can combine a computer with a robot, and, and there are robots now, you know, you can, you can look them up on YouTube that walk around like humans have hands like humans and heads like humans, and they can walk around and potentially have a very similar capabilities that humans can have. And that's the next step. So immediately all the technology exists to put 40% of the workforce out of business. But eventually what they're proposing is there's basically going to be a robot that is more physically and mentally capable than the smartest, most physically capable person on the planet. At which point, there's going to be nothing that a human being can do that would be of any monetary value. And that is sort of the part that is scary and also, to me, exciting, you know? Yeah, if we yeah, want man. to go to work, we can just do what we want. Yeah. Who yeah. pays us? I, I, well, the, yeah, that's a, that's the big question, right? You'd have to change. Like People would essentially Seriously, have to yeah, get paid to do nothing. Yeah. But, you know, I, I, I walked into my kitchen this morning and I was I was thinking about this when I watched, walked into my kitchen this morning and I was looking around going, man, I really need to save up, you know, some money to redo this kitchen because it's super dated. It's from 1980. If I had a very capable robot servant, I would just say, hey, man, uh, redo the kitchen while I'm gone today. <laughs> you know, go ahead and tear down that wall and put up another one. How sweet would that be? 
I'd be really right. impressed if Roblox could do that. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, no shit. And with three D printing, John, man, we may be onto something here. Yeah, well, you know, because I'm envi- I'm envisioning data from Star Trek. Which, by the way, I'm sorry. Why did they need people on the Starship Enterprise? They should just make a whole bunch of datas and put them on the Starship and have them, you know, explore the universe. I never but thought of that, John. That's neither. Yeah. I, <laughs> well, you see this with companies like Facebook, right? Facebook has between twelve and 13,000 employees total across the whole world. 12,000 employees. The company is now worth $320 billion. That means each employee, it's worth $27 million per employee. So wow. basically nobody works Nobody works at Facebook. Like that includes all the people who like clean the bathrooms and everything else. So it's basically an idea and a bunch of you know engineers, and that's about it. I'm sure they have a sales team and, and a few other things, but that, that is so few employees, it's, it's crazy. I mean, 12000 for a $320 billion company. I didn't realize that. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's so why they don't have. If you report people's posts and things on Facebook, I guess it's a machine that looks into it. So <laughs> a big part of it is how many complaints they get. So if you don't like somebody and you want to kick them off Facebook, just get a bunch of your friends to object to their posts, and sometimes a machine will ban them because no one yeah, actually looks into it and sees whether it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> whether it's legit or not. <laughs> <laughs> that might have been a legitimate reason, Uncle Jimmy. <laughs> it was a legitimate reason, but I'll I'll defer that. But is there yeah, were you really banned from Facebook? That sounds like a story I want to hear. No, no, we'll do that. We'll do that off podcast. <laughs> no. I'm going to try and ban you after some, the podcast. Here's some. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of flipping through this. Here's some great predictions that did not come true. Ready? Okay. These are great. Number one, Nikita Khrushchev. We will bury you. He was talking to us. Apparently, they got buried. <laughs> okay. Everything that can be invented has been invented. This is awesome. Charles H. Duhamel, <laughs> an official at the United States Patent Office, 1899. <laughs> I think Chuck was wrong on that. I just here's a, here's yep. another great one. Oh yeah. Um, according to Newsweek magazine in uh, 1962, uh, and for the tourist who really wants to get away from it all, safaris in Vietnam, predicting popular holidays for the late 19th. 19- <laughs> I don't Oops. think a safari in Vietnam in the late 60s would have been a good move. Uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> what, about, what about just a few years ago, the CEO of Microsoft at the time, Steve Ballmer, is like, yeah, those, who yeah. wants a computer as a phone? That's a joke. No one wants a camera on their phone. That's a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, or like when he, when he made fun of the, the Apple computer for not having a CD drive and he didn't have the foresight to realize everyone was going to put stuff on a thumb drive. Yeah, he's only the head of the biggest tech company at the time in the world. <laughs> Why yeah, you know seriously. <laughs> what a doofus. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I'm most excited about the driverless cars is, um, no offense, Sean, but police officers will actually get back to solving crimes. Oh, wow. Yeah, I if don't there care is, about, about traffic stuff. I'd love not to do anything. Well, I know because you're, you're, from, you're, you're from a town that actually has, you know, crime to do but in my particular town like a bedroom community literally all they do is the only thing that they do is harass people driving around their cars so i I, man 
I can't, I can't wait. Yeah, actually, you might be able to reduce the police force and reduce the amount of money they have to pay for it. Or you just refocus all the police officers on actually solving crimes. Unlike what they did when my parents got robbed and they showed up at the house, they dusted everything for fingerprints and then took my fingerprints along with my entire family's, put it in their database, and then didn't actually look for anyone. As soon as they show up in the database, they were like, oh, I guess uh, I guess that's it. We're not going to question any of the, you know, landscapers that knew we were away that weekend that probably robbed your house. We're not we're not going to ask them any questions or look into their background. Otherwise, they uh, they would have to take elimination prints because if they took your prints, you know, if they'd be like, oh, we found somebody's prints. Be like, yeah, that, those are actually mine. <laughs> I, I live here. So if I touch everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That, that part makes sense. You know, taking your prints <laughs> makes sense. The, took, the not, not looking for anybody part uh, is a little, little tougher. <laughs> yeah, not actually questioning any of the workers who were doing construction on the house that knew we were away that weekend. Anyway, I digress. I knew you guys were gone that weekend. You never took my prints. You should have. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, God. Thanks yeah, for, so thanks drug, for covering uh, <laughs> I was going to say I was going to say drug, drug dealers are likely going to be able to benefit from this too. So, what reason is there to pull over the cars anymore? And my understanding is, ah, Sean, you could probably tell me. Like, I bet most of the 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 drug arrests have to do with someone getting pulled over for whatever reason. They're swerving, or they just look suspicious, and you pull them over, and then you just you know that they're a drug dealer once you pull them over, and then you look around their car and you find the drugs. Right. Yeah, it's funny. A lot of the big cases rise and fall based on whether you know the traffic violation was was actually a violation or not. Like that's a, that's what determines whether everything gets oh, thrown really? out. Oh, Because after that, everything you know, if there's no traffic violation, there's no reason for the stop, and everything afterward gets tossed. So you could stop someone and oh, find right. like five heads, you know, find five severed heads in the back, and um, a bunch of machine guns and some dynamite. And if the if the initial <laughs> stop wasn't good, they will suppress everything, and it's all gone. Right, because so, yeah, illegal the, search the, and seizure. The traffic right? stuff is really. What's that? It's illegal search and seizure. That's the issue because they, they, there has to be probable cause to stop the person. Yeah, well, probable cause of a motor vehicle violation. So, or something else. But if you don't have, you know, either either suspicion of criminal activity or the motor vehicle violation, then it's all gone afterward. Everything, no matter what, wow. whether you turn out to be right or not, it's all in court. It's all gone. So. Yeah, that's why whether someone actually hit the yellow line or whatever sometimes is really important for a murder or something else. Yeah. Holy cow. Anyway, back, back to topic. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, actually, you, you know what I'm saying? Unless you guys have anything else to add on the topic, uh, I just recommend that everyone go and watch the video because I, I, I just think it's fascinating. It's a little bit alarming, and it's worth seeing. But um, if you guys are up for it, I was thinking – uh, maybe we could change the, chop- the topic and start talking about, you know, disruptors versus protesters, which is something that we've wanted to talk about for a little while. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I'm up for okay. It. So, so, so I'll, I'll frame it up right now. Uh, disruptor versus protesters. So one thing that was in the news a lot last week um, was a video of a protester or a disruptor uh, who was being escorted out of a Donald Trump rally. And then <clears throat> one of the fans uh, of Donald Trump or the supporters of Donald Trump uh, elbowed the uh, protester disruptor in the face. Uh, 
um, and then soon after was arrested. So from one side of the story, I think most people have already seen the story. Um, people are calling out Donald Trump for instigating and uh, in condoning violence because uh, he said certain things like, uh, I'll pay the legal bills of somebody, uh, uh, the next person who hits one of those protesters. But uh, on the other side, what's not being televised as much is what's actually going on at the Trump rallies with people going in there uninvited, uh preventing Donald Trump and his supporters from actually holding the rally and, and speaking. Um, uh, and then ultimately uh, someone has to escort them out. But uh, my understanding is it's been really challenging for them to do it. And it's been incredibly disruptive to the rallies. So it's actually, it's a disruptive thing that is, you know, violating people's freedom of speech and uh, what is it right to assemble. Um, and so that's the debate. Uncle Jimmy, do you have any thoughts on the matter? Yeah, I think that there's a really troubling trend going on in the world. And, and I think the, the, and the trend is, is this, and it's, it's particularly pronounced in college campuses. And here it is. Um, if you sort of determine that someone is, uh, and anything really, this is the tough part, but you determine that something is what you would define as hate speech, right? But Jim, before you keep going, I have to warn you, uh, I have to give you a trigger warning here. I'm easily triggered by certain things, and I thought this conversation was a safe space. So with that in mind... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's an excellent segue, Sean. Okay. That's exactly where I'm going. So if you if you really and, and this is what it takes to to really determine hate speech, you need a group that can be victim and and really to me anyway, it just seems that you just have to uh, say something. Uh, they're really trying to stop all offensive language, and it's become an industry, right? So anyway, the point is this: I, I think that at these rallies, if you say something that someone does not want to hear. Then that becomes then they they determine what group that that they've you know that's really important to this scenario. You need a group that is now the victim, and then you are entitled to and you have the green light to engage in what I will term vindictive protectiveness, right? So which means that you know Donald Trump says something, and he is not entitled to his first exercise of his First Amendment rights because of because of the very subjective notion of hate speech, and. And really, you know, one of the most pronounced examples I would say in recent years was, you know, really funny to me that Ahmadinejad speaks at Columbia University and no one protests the guy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But yeah. later you had the minute and they wanted to kick their asses. And so I'm just yeah. saying, I think an industry has popped up. And Sean's point, which is great, was <laughs> was safe zones. I mean, you really see this pronounced on college campuses where they really have safe zones where all, you know, all language. You know, it has to be monitored to make sure that no one, for all intents and purposes, are offended. And the last point I'll make is this. The Constitution makes no provisions for hate speech. Sorry, guys. This is the deal. And I think that it really is. This hey, Uncle Jimmy, what do you what do you mean by that? It's it says nothing. The Constitution says nothing about it says everyone has freedom of speech except for hate speech. Is that what you're saying? No, 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 no. What I'm saying is just the opposite. That there is no provision to hate speech in the Constitution. Okay. Yeah. So, for yeah. example, if, if you, you know, for example, you could argue that hate speech is, is trying to defend your borders from Mexicans, right? That's hate speech. 
because you've singled out the Mexicans as a group. And, I mean, it's insane. Now, uh, Sean was mentioning one time that, uh, you know, in Europe, they're in their constitutions, and I can't know which country specifically, but there are provisions. I think it's, it's Germany. It is Germany. Right. Germany right. in particular, yeah. You're not allowed to deny the Holocaust. But there's no, there is nothing in the United States Constitution that will stop someone from being offended. And I, and I agree with, um, with the original premise on this, that if someone wants to go to a rally, okay, for Donald Trump or anybody else they want, assuming, you know, again, with, with sort of a tacit nod to the Constitution and crying, that, you know, uh, yell fire at a crowded movie theater, there are limits to free speech. But I think that, um, that these people are, are engaging in vindictive protectiveness, and, and, it's, and it's wrong and evil. Yeah, so Uncle Jimmy, I'm I'm glad we're talking about this. And um, one of the things I just found on the internet, I posted on the website. It was a live debate, and it was really, really good. It was done by this uh, organization, Intelligence Squared, and it was between two people who were arguing that free speech is threatened on campus, and then two people who are arguing against it. Uh, I won't go into the details. You have to listen to it on your own. But it was really good. And they made a lot of the same points that you did. Um, the way I see it, these protesters are only protesting if they're outside the event and they're on, you know, and they're on the street. But as soon as you rent out a hall and everyone's gathering inside the hall, they become disruptors. They're literally preventing people, the Donald Trump and the people that are following him, from their right to free speech and their right to peacefully assemble. Um, Shouting loud enough and disrupting so that disrupting an event so that someone can't speak and get their point across is essentially the same as silencing them. And frankly, yes. that that old man in the leather vest who punched that guy in the face, I can't. I I man, I have I have trouble holding it against him. I would I would be furious if somebody were taking away my right to peacefully assemble and speak freely. And the other thing that they don't show you in the video is that kid was giving that guy the finger. Like he gave him the finger multiple times. If there's a guy that you don't give the finger to, it's a, a, an old man wearing a leather vest. You don't give <laughs> at a Trump rally. At a Trump rally. Uh, or, okay, if you give him the finger, just know he's probably going to punch you in the mouth. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> so, I mean, pick someone else to give the finger to. Jeez, that, I mean, that, that guy is easily, is going to clearly punch you in the mouth. It's one of the, the old other... guys who don't take any crap. Remember when well, uh, actually, Robin Ventura, back in baseball, Nolan Ryan, when he was still pitching, he yeah. threw at Robin Ventura, uh, who was a young, he's like 24 or something at the time. And Ventura throws the bat down, charges the mound. You know, he's charging the mount. Nolan Ryan was like 50 years old at the time, right? So he, he could have been his father. So in turn, throws the throws the bat down, charges the mound, and Nolan Ryan just kicks the crap out of him. It was great. This 24 year old guy charges the mound. This old man just like he got him in the headlock. He's giving him noogies. It was, it was, don't mess don't mess with the old timers. Yeah. Well, it's not it's not just the old timers. Soon after that image came out and this one hasn't been nearly as widely televised but i i'm i'm sure you guys have seen it uh they're not an african-american man but a white man along with a girl that he was with uh were disrupting a trump rally and the woman was wearing a ku klux klan mask and they're being escorted out of the rally and then one of the donald trump supporters who happens to be an african-american man just clocks this dude right in the face knocks him out and then starts kicking him 
<laughs> oh, yeah, I saw it. Yeah, was, it was like a, it was an elbow, like a flying elbow as it came past him. <laughs> no, no, no. This was no. The elbow was from the old man. This African American guy, like, just punched him, punched this dude right in the face with his fist, and then continued to kick him while he was down. It was a pretty brutal attack. Yeah, I saw that one. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, I couldn't believe it, but I, uh, I, I actually, you know what? I, I can understand why. Uh, you know, uh, Mexicans uh, might, you know, have racist things to say against Donald Trump. But I I don't really see where the Ku Klux Klan and and did he did Donald Trump say anything negative against African? Yeah, Americans it, it was back like at that? the uh, it was back in the interview. Now, a lot of times when someone's running for president, they'll have supporters who are disreputable. And they'll ask him about them. Say, oh, what do you think about this person who supports you? And you're supposed to say, oh, I think he's a jerk and I don't want to support so instead of saying that, that David Duke, a former or maybe current Grand Wizard of the KKK, who even knows those guys are still around? Who, I mean, the KKK today, really? Uh, but anyway, yeah. David Duke is still is in the organization, and he said, "Oh, you know, white people have to support Trump. We all have to go all in for Trump, and Trump's great." And they asked Trump about it in an interview, and he said, uh, "Well, uh, I don't know anything about David Duke, or I don't know anything about the KKK. I've never met those people. I don't know anything about them." I, Basically, he didn't say that they were bad. He just said, I don't know anything about them. I can't comment, which is kind of ridiculous considering it's the KKK. I mean, everyone knows about them. Um, he took I don't know yeah, that Duke is. <laughs> that, that's an easy one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, yeah. I, I mean, if someone asks you, do you are, are you supportive of the KKK, you should absolutely say no. But yeah. uh, but I don't know who David Duke is. Well, you don't have to know him. They, they said, you know, David Duke and the KKK. And he said, I don't, oh, I don't know any of those people. <laughs> You know, which kind of oh, makes really? sense. In, in Trump's worldview, everyone who likes Trump is great. Everyone who doesn't like him is terrible. So if the KKK oh. people like him, they're kind of, I don't know, I have to meet them. If they really like me, maybe they're okay. You know, <laughs> uh, that seems to be his, the way he judges people. He likes Vladimir Putin because Putin said nice things about him. Um, yeah. But yeah. That's, that's just Trump being Trump. Oh. Yeah. God. Yeah, I just think I just think listen, I just think this whole thing there seems to here here's my deal on this, right? Social justice warriors. This is what this is about. So, you know, it just basically kind of victim, you know, find find a victim group, identify it, and go after them. And it's an industry that's popped up. I really believe, I'm telling you, man, I always say this, but it comes out of Saul Linsky's book, right? The Radical Handbook. It's like figure out it's how you it's how you garner power and it's how you how you get resources from the government, you know, starting there it's off to the races. You know, and it, it's just, funny man Political correctness right about this all this Ugh. stuff like this is all tied into the rally and everything else there would be no humor i mean man there'd be no comedy if there was political correctness all the time so we have these word thought police running around it's driving me nuts i can't stand it well jerry okay so i got a, I got a good one for you <laughs> yeah. oh yeah i know actually i love that he won't go to the college campus anymore. Yeah, he uh, he said something about that. He won't go to college campuses anymore because people are too sensitive and you can't make a joke. And I thought it was it fantastic what he said. And um and, and you know people people went after him for it. And there's uh so I've and I'm glad that someone like him is pushing back. And here's here's an example why I'm glad. So Bowdoin College up in Maine. This is a good story. Um. And uh, I found out about it from from my family when we were having dinner. So there are these uh, there are these two Bowdoin students who are leaders of uh, I don't know the college. They're they're in the student government of the college, and so they're now facing impeachment 
because they went to a fiesta tequila party wearing sombreros. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And, and, Man, and if there's like, if you're wondering, is there, it, yeah, is there more to the story? There's not. I'll read one of the paragraphs. The party, which was held in Brunswick, Maine, uh, campuses, uh, in Brunswick, Maine's campuses residence hall involves students drinking tequila and wearing sombreros. Uh, an online invitation read, the theme is tequila. So do with that what you may. We're not saying it's a fiesta, but we're also not saying that it's not a fiesta. John, Something I like told that. you about my safe space. Why did you have to talk about tequila? I told you I'm triggered by certain things. Tequila, I have some bad memories there. It triggers me. I told you it's a safe yeah. space. I don't want to hear about it. I hope that's the end of your story. Yeah. Did Mexicans <laughs> get offended? by sombreros i mean actual yes. mexicans probably not uh american social justice warriors looking for a cause in college yes yes absolutely i think that's oh you know it's it, it, people are looking for something they don't believe in religion anymore and it's not the civil rights movement they missed that so what is the great purpose the great guiding force of their life going to be they have to pick something they have to make these ridiculous things up Brilliant college point, theme John. parties Secular humanism at its best. That is really a brilliant point. That's something I've never heard you say that. And it's really actually true. They don't believe in religion anymore. So what they do is they, they, they wrap themselves around secular humanism because it makes them feel better. It's the same reason why somebody has a dog. They're total assholes and they treat people like assholes, but the dog. Wait, you, you must be talking about cats. There go. You're not talking I'm about dogs. What's that? <laughs> you lost me there. You must, I got, you must be talking I about got cats. two dogs I love. Yeah, come on. Yeah. Dogs, no, dogs, I'm, not talking, I'm not talking about all dog on the moat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about the guy. I'm talking about the guy. Like seriously, man. You, you know the guy I'm talking about, man. Remember Johnny? Remember my next door neighbor, the guy with six of them? Oh the guy? yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Remember, that, remember that nut job? Literally, this knucklehead had a had a, had a custom made built uh, bed made so all the dogs could sleep with him and his wife. The place is a kennel. <laughs> anyway, the point was the guy was a total asshole. His wife was an asshole, but they, they loved animals. Okay, right? And and the thing was like they just loved animals. Here's the point: social justice war sort of thing. Okay, no, no. even though I'm angry and loser, oh man, but I. I'm of a higher calling. <laughs> yeah. I, I really believe yeah. that, man. I, gonna, I think Sean did the right up. Yeah, they're going to treat the animals better than they treat people. thing is, too, it's, it's yes. really easy to do. You don't really have to give anything up. It's not like right. if you become a religious fanatic, you have to give up, like, good food and, you know, sex and, and all, these, all these other things. Um, <laughs> if you become a social justice warrior, you have to give up nothing. You just go on Twitter and you complain about people you don't like or, you know, you show up at the rally and you maybe meet some girls. It's not really a big sacrifice that's it's required. So it works out even better. Yeah. Hey, would you, I have a question. I wish I, had, I, I, I wish I had a robot cooking me dinner right now. I cannot wait for this revolution that we're talking about. Okay, postscript. Real quick, uh, it is entirely possible, maybe even likely, that there's going to be a contested convention on the Republican side uh, for president. The first time in a long time. So some people don't know the, the United States was not founded as a democracy. It's not really a democracy. It's a republic. There's a difference. The founders were very distrustful of, of mobs in general and kind of democratic passion. So the story of America since the founding has been more and more uh, democracy and less checks on the popular will. In the beginning, obviously, just men could vote. Uh, just white male landowners could vote. And now everybody can vote except for felons and people under 18. 
So it used to be these party bosses got together in these kind of smoke-filled rooms and selected the candidate. And now we actually mm-hmm. vote, uh, you know, for the presidential candidate. So uh, there's a chance this time that the guy who got the most votes might not be the nominee. Because Donald Trump is obviously leading right now. As we say this, it's uh, it's March 22nd, and quite a few of the important states haven't voted yet. So, But right now he's in the lead by far. Now, if he doesn't get over half of the delegates, uh, now the thing is he's in the lead, but he's getting like 38%, 41%, 36%. He's winning states because it's a divided field. But if he yeah. goes to the convention without half of the delegates, he might not be the nominee, even if he's in first place by far. So the way it works, basically, if he, does, if he gets 1237 is the amount of delegates needed. If he gets 1236, then the delegates themselves, who are basically Republican Party stalwarts, uh, get to pick the nominee. It's a complicated process. There are a bunch of different ballots. It can go to, like, you know, 20 different, uh, different votes, basically. But there, it, it's very possible that if he doesn't get the number, somebody else who got less votes, and maybe somebody who didn't even run for president might get the nomination. It could be, like, Mitt Romney. It could be Paul Ryan. It could be somebody else. Uh, who didn't even run. So we're talking about riots and political violence. There's going to be a ton of protesters yeah. outside the convention, a ton of the sort of left-wing uh, pro- anarchist-type protesters, and there's going to be a ton of Trump people there. <laughs> Now, if Trump does not get the nomination, the Trump people are going to go wild, and I don't even want to see what's going to happen yeah. in, terms of, uh, in terms of riots. I can't. But that, oh man, really I, basic, I can't. Uh, I can't really blame him. I mean, I would be super upset if I, you know, if look, if he gets the most votes and he doesn't get the nomination, that's incredibly upsetting. The same thing would be equally upsetting to me if um, uh, Bernie Sanders got the most votes, but all the super delegates uh, went for Hillary Clinton. It's it's pretty disappointing that it how how rigged the system really is everyone talks about how rigged it is but that's pretty darn rigged i mean i'm well, willing to bet i'm willing to bet if the convention is if the convention is contested i'm willing to bet we're going to have a clinton bush race and jeb's coming back i would be sh- i don't think jeb has any chance of, of getting <laughs> that would talk about talk about a uh, a powder keg then No, it's not going to be. Trump. Yeah, it could be Mitt Romney though. Mitt Romney could could be the guy. Um, which uh, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be upset about that. I wouldn't be upset about um, Mitt or uh, who's the House Speaker again? Um, Paul, Paul Ryan. His, could be Paul, uh, Ryan. Paul Ryan. Two first names. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So uh, yeah. we'll see what happens. It could be interesting though. Now, political science people are always saying, "Oh, it could be a broker convention this year," and it never happens. This year, it looks like yeah. it actually might happen. Okay, so we just need to watch and see if he gets – yeah, we have to see if he gets 120-something delegates, right? It's uh, 1,237. That's half. Now, this is not a a way by which they they made up the rules to try to steal the election. This is how it's been for a long time. These are the rules. So I don't think he can really complain too much if he doesn't get the number because it's always been like that. And the the only way you would not get the number this late in the game – Normally, the party gets behind whoever's the winner like halfway through, and he wins every state after that. And if you're not doing that, there's usually a reason because no one is going to unite behind you. I mean, a real lot of Republicans are not going to vote for Donald Trump. Something like 60% disapprove of him in Republicans. I think it's 71% yeah. of the general population, 61% of Republicans do not like him. So <laughs> I, I think that yeah, if he doesn't them. get the number, yeah, he's out of luck if he doesn't get the number. So 
We'll see. And I support, by the way, not that it matters, but I support taking it away from him however possible within the rules. Yeah, I, yeah, I kind of do too. <laughs> um, all right, man. Well, so that's another episode of Complete the Narrative. Thank you, Sean. Thanks, Uncle Jimmy. Thanks for listening to us. Everybody go check out the website. Make sure that you subscribe on the website and um, and on uh, the Voice Spot uh, podcast. All right, thanks, and uh, we'll see you next time. Until next time.